Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 5, Episode 6, for Saturday the 18th of February 2023. And coming up this week, I'm back from Benidorm, but did I get any productive author work done while I was away? Plot spoiler, not very much. I'm getting ready to polish off the second book in my latest trilogy. I'll bring you up to date with my plans. I'll let you know the final numbers in my recent BookBub promo and the result is in for my application to the University of Cambridge crime writing course and it's an outcome I never predicted. Now a reminder at the beginning of this week's episode that because I've been away in the last week there is no writing diary this week as I haven't done any writing however next week you'll get the diaries from my final two writing days which will be this coming Monday and Tuesday and then I'm going to compile all the updates all those writing updates into one gigantic episode as a permanent record of how I write a book so I'll be dropping uh, two episodes next week one of them you might just want to skip but I just want to leave that huge writing diary book two from beginning to end I want to leave that there as a permanent record in the podcast feed so listen if you want to but you'll probably discard it I'm guessing but uh, it'll be there forever uh, the other thing just to mention before we start is I brought a lovely souvenir home from Benidorm I got a cold while I was out there so if I do sound a bit uh, sort of nasally and blocked up that's why either that or uh, Rich Casey on the New Author podcast has got a cold this week I don't know whether it's possible to catch colds from other podcast hosts but I might have caught it that way it definitely isn't Covid though I can guarantee you of that so let's get started with my writing update and it's just a little bit of tumbleweed this week because there was no writing this week at all as you know didn't do anything while I was in Benidorm nothing business related at all other than just dealing with bits and pieces as they came in on my laptop but I will finish the book on Monday the 20th of February and Tuesday the 21st so I've got six chapters left three chapters on Monday three chapters on Tuesday and then I am done and I am planning to go out for lunch with my wife when she finishes work on Wednesday to celebrate the completion of that book so that's only draft one of course when that book is finished just to give you an update of where we are with the numbers I'm 65,551 words in that's draft one that's how many words I've written I got 9,449 words to go six chapters remaining that'll be about 1,575 words per chapter I must admit actually it's been a bit of a nuisance disrupting my flow I mean I know that's a really like it's like a really first world problem that but but I was so much in flow because I've been doing that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of writing and just knocking the words out. It was almost a bit of a nuisance disrupting that flow. I, I kind of wish maybe I just bumped that holiday by a week and got got the book finished, then then got on the holiday. But if I'd have gone next week, uh, it would have been half term. And I don't like traveling during half term. I try and avoid kind of holiday times for everybody else. I try and go on the, the quiet and cheap times when I when I go on holiday. So yeah, it's been a bit of a just a bit of a nuisance disrupting that flow and thinking, right, I've got to get myself back into that particular story on Monday. But you know, that's fine. We're we're right into the exciting bits at the end now. The book almost writes itself at that point. So I'm not at all worried about that. On Sunday I will just remind myself of where I was up to. I'll just check my brief chapter outlines uh, so I'm, I'm in the zone and by the time we hit it running on Monday uh, we should be good to go the other thing that's different about next week by the way is um, my wife always works a full day on Monday she's working a full day on Tuesday which means I can actually write 
on Monday and Tuesday, starting first thing in the morning. Now, Tuesdays, I usually have to write um, from about 11.30 because my wife works in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Slight uh, different arrangement this week, which makes me very happy because I always like to write. I always prefer to write first thing in the morning if I can. So again, that gives me an extra writing advantage this week just to get that book polished off. So what happens next? As soon as that writing is done, we now move into... Uh, into this kind of zone where we've got <laughs> book one written and edited book two is first draft written and needs editing by me and then I also need to be planning and writing book three and this is where my head gets ready to explode because I've just got so many plot lines uh, so many uh, different books flying around in my head at once I have tried to be much kinder to myself this time around but uh, well, well let's see how that works out so what happens next? When I've got those last six chapters written, I'm going to start work on Claire Cronshaw's 60 changes that she's given to me for book one. So if you recall, uh, Claire has edited book one. Um, I don't look at all the tiny little changes. I just look at the big picture stuff. So that's 60 changes I've got to make to that manuscript. I'm going to start work on that from Saturday tomorrow as I record this from tomorrow onwards I'm going to work through those 60 changes now I hope to make those 60 changes uh, I haven't even opened it to look to look at it properly yet so I'm hoping there's nothing too drastic in there like you know tip from editor start book entirely again it's wrong so I hope there's nothing big like that in there but uh, usually those changes take me less time than I think to, 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 to do so I'm going to start tomorrow Saturday and I need them to be done by Tuesday I'm hoping I can get them all done by Tuesday so that book one is then in theory done and corrected and again in theory ready to change or send to beta readers so the reason I've put that deadline of next Tuesday on is because I've got a corporate presentation to get ready uh, I've taken on well I've just taken on one corporate gig do you remember the corporate work I used to do before we went to Spain well I've been offered uh, a bit of that again I'm, I'm in two minds about whether to continue doing it to be honest with you but I, I've taken this first gig on and I'll deliver this one but I have to get that presentation prepared for delivery uh, from Wednesday the 22nd of February and then I'm delivering it the week after on Tuesday the 28th of February so um, after I've done Claire 60 changes that that presentation will be my next priority now I don't expect it to take me a week it'll probably take me a day of full work maybe maybe a day of full work I'm not sure uh, maybe not even that to be honest with you because a lot of it's going to be practical on-screen demonstration so as soon as that corporate presentation is done that powerpoint i'll then move back to the editing now that will probably mean that i'm working on my edit of, of book two so draft one is done it really needs a proper edit i didn't even send book two to my wife for reading yet because it's just too rough i said to her i'd rather go through it and give it my edit first before you you read it and you start looking for, for bits and pieces so uh, my wife will get book two to edit as soon as i've done it I started planning book three today so um, the dates are a little bit funny with this because I don't have to start writing book three until Monday the 3rd of April I mean that's more than a month's time that that's ridiculous there's there's no way I'm going to do that because I've got so much impetus on with the writing I really would like to just keep going and write 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 until I've got book three done now I am going to have to take a slight break there just to get it planned because book three isn't planned yet but I sat down this morning I've planned I basically just put some 
uh, structure in place that, that has to happen. So I know what has to happen in the first two to three chapters of the book. I've also got the the timeline, the old, the, the the sort of 1970s timeline. I've also got that carried in my head. I've virtually written that timeline already. And then I've written notes for the last two chapters of this book because I already know how the book's going to end. So this morning I got about maybe 10 to 15 chapters, just just a sentence, literally a sentence, no more than that, for book three. So in theory, I've got until the 3rd of April to get book three planned. I'm not going to hang around that long. Uh, I want to get that book planned, then I want to get on writing it on my Mondays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. As ASAP, I want to be doing that. So, you know, if I can, and I'll tell you this in next week's podcast, if I can get enough of that book planned over the next week, I'll just start, I'll just carry on, I'll just carry on my writing routine, I won't wait till the 3rd of April, and I'll get it written much uh, earlier. But yeah, in theory, I don't have to even start writing that book until we're, we're back from our next foreign trip to Lisbon, which is towards the end of March. I don't, I, I don't want to do that. And the other thing I might start doing is writing out of sequence. So for instance, I pretty well know, well, I know a lot of the plot line from the 1970s already, to get to get writing straight away, I might just start writing that that uh, 1970s plot line before I start the present plot line, just so I can get writing, and then I'll I'll come up behind planning the whole book, and then I'll go back to present day as soon as I'm ready to start writing that. But I, there's no way I'm waiting. I can tell you that now, as I'm reading those dates, I'm not waiting till the third of April to start writing again. But in terms of planning, you know, in terms of when I've got Claire Cronshaw booked in to to, to edit uh, book three. I can have book three. If I start writing on Monday the 3rd of April at my regular pace, taking into account there's we've got loads of bank holidays coming up in between in, in the UK from April and May. We seem to be non-stop bank holidays. We've got a King's coronation to come. You know, we've got about a run of three Mondays, is it, in May? Something like that. You know, ridiculous interference in our time because that means my wife won't be working on Mondays, which means I won't be writing on Mondays. So even with all those bank holidays factored in an Easter, I can still have that book written in time, plenty of time to give to Claire on our book three agreed editing date. So um, I'm not going to wait that long, though. I'm going to have it done much earlier than that because having got this wonderful impetus going of writing nine chapters you know 15 14 15, words a week I don't want to stop that now I want to keep that going so that that's what has to happen next with writing editing and planning I'll, I, I think I'll probably be able to give you more of a steer on that next week because the next two things that must happen are finished well three things actually finish writing book two do Claire 60 changes to book one plan book three and then also I've got those corporate slides to get done those are the things that are going to happen next in that order so I'll let you know by the way book two doesn't have to be ready to go to Claire till the 11th of April I mean what's the date as I'm recording this is the 17th of February for goodness sake I got that book for another two months before I have to send that Claire's way so I've got a lot of time I've given myself a lot of time here and what I'm what I'm minded to do is to write Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then just to do a little bit of editing because I like to do—I don't like to do full days of editing. I like to do maybe just a couple of chapters a day to keep myself really fresh because I don't enjoy the editing. What I'm inclined then to do is to edit on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just a couple of chapters, and just to chug that along bit by bit and have it ready for Claire by the 11th of April. So that, as I'm saying it to you and speaking it aloud, makes a lot more sense to me. 
as far as I'm concerned. But as I, um, I've got to get those corporate slides done. When I've got all that stuff out of the way, the things that must be done, I'll probably be able to give you a better steer on that next week. If not next week, then certainly the week after. Um, let's move on to some marketing updates. Uh, I've, I have told you that I'm just doing kind of my own thing with the Facebook ads at the moment. And in very simple terms, what I'm doing is I'm I'm just really super pushing the the big box sets I've got. So the 12 pack box set, which has made money for me for the last two years. And now I've, I've gone cheap and cheerful bargain basement. I've put, I've done something that I said I wouldn't do, but I've put my Morecambe Bay nine pack on cheap and cheerful just because they sell so well. And just, just to give you some rough indications here of what's going on. Uh, so far in February, I've sold 1,747 copies of the Morecambe Bay box set, the nine pack. You know, this is, this is, this is why I can't stop doing this because I sell so many uh, copies of those books and it's so easy to sell them. Interestingly, um, although my Amazon dashboard tells me that that's 1,747 copies of that book sold, the uh, Amazon attribution link on that advert only says 664, which is what I said to you that the, the, the attribution link data doesn't really kind of add up, but at least we know that's how many sales we've got. Now, I usually double my money on the page reads, but with a brand new book, it takes a little while to get the page reads going again. So, uh, so far this month on the nine pack, the Morecambe Bay nine pack, remembering that this nine pack is starting virtually from scratch as a Facebook promo. I've so far had 27,343 page reads on that nine pack. And I've pinned the budgets back on the 12 pack, but by comparison on the 12 pack book, I've had 42,208 page reads on that book so far this month. So that's just to give you an idea of the kind of volume that I shift on those box sets when I when I price them cheap and cheerful. Now my aim with the Morecambe Bay box set is to just keep the budgets low probably through February and March, because what I want to do is I want to get a groundswell of page reads coming in. And of course, if you think about it, you know, on, on day one, when you start selling it on day one, it takes time for people to start, well, enough people to get the book for the page reads to count and to get that groundswell going. So at the moment, I'm just waiting for the page reads to pick up. But hopefully if that, if those Facebook ads go well, and looking at previous experience with the 12 pack, what will happen is that at some point the the page reads will kind of double your income for the day. They'll double what you make in page sales. It's always virtually been a 50-50 split for me, but you've got to get the impetus going first. Now at the moment in the UK, I'm getting nine pence per click on the Morecambe Bay box set ads, which is a, is a lovely amount to be paying. If you bear in mind, that's 99 pence sale uh, and I take 30 what is it 35 percent of that so 33p something like that and if I'm getting 9p per click and selling selling as you do with those adverts you tend to get a click and a sale uh, you don't get a lot of wastage on those books because it literally it's you know it's you you sell something that's massive value you can see the box set of books there you can see how many books you can get you see the price you can see the genre you don't need to fuss a lot really you know you either want the thing or you don't so it has a pretty good conversion as far as that's concerned so nine people click in the uk very happy with that uh click rate it's actually a lot lower than i ever got on the 12 pack so i'm, I'm happy with that 
Now, interestingly, I didn't give you these figures last week, but even with just a small budget, I think, I can't remember what the budget is. I think it's about £10 a day probably on that Facebook ad. It's given me... Um, not brilliant rankings but it's given me rankings in amazon best sellers so at the moment and this is i just jotted this these numbers down last night when i was doing my notes they may have changed today but this just gives you a rough indication that i'm currently 878 in the entire uk kindle store there uh, i'm 177 in crime thrillers uh, paid 226 in suspense thrillers paid and 365 in thrillers books uh, paid so that that's where that's got me in those charts now i would like to be moving into top 100 i, I think i have been top 100 actually uh, but i i didn't get the screenshots uh, or i you know i didn't jot it down in time to tell you um, but i i had increased the budgets uh, at the beginning and then just decided to peg them back a little bit and wait for the page reads to catch up but i'm pretty sure that i've been top 100 already with those promos you can see how seductive though those facebook promos are because they just work so well and i i, I never get as easy results as that if i do full price books so i'm going to stick with that for the time being until i get some sort of evidence or feedback from the ads that they're not working but they seem to be doing okay at the moment so i'll continue to push those i wanted to just give you some amazon ads i'm kind of just waiting i for well to decide whether i'm going to have an ads manager on those amazon ads but in the meantime they're just chugging away i'm not, I'm not sure whether i've given you these figures before i i basically changed the settings so that they reflected my lifetime ads but it also reflected the ads that i've stopped so I, th I think i may have given you the figures for all active ads but i don't think i've given you my lifetime figures for my amazon ads even with everything um that i've now switched off so this is a, a total good bad and the ugly of my amazon ads but it, it's quite uh, interesting actually so over the whole lifetime of my amazon ads in the uk this is uk only i've had 11 million 97,399 impressions i've had 13,927 clicks my click-through rate is 0.13%, which is just not not very good. Well, it, I think it's I think it's acceptable probably in, in Amazon ads, but it's not very good generally. My spend on Amazon, so my total spend on ads in the UK is six thousand two hundred ninety-one pounds and thirty pence. And this was one of the reasons that I wanted to give you these numbers because I just wanted to give you a sense of just how much commitment I've given to to amazon ads say compared with facebook ads now with facebook ads i must have spent oh can i get you that number it's 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 fifty thousand something like that it's more than i paid for my first house for goodness sake in the 1980s which which just is terrifying to me it's it's always hard just to get a simple number off facebook isn't it let's go to the ads manager and put lifetime on there and see if it will give me a lifetime figure for facebook for you now yeah it only gives you a maximum figure which i don't think is a lifetime number but i can tell you at the moment that my maximum number from the 17th of january 2020 to the 17th of february 2023 i have spent fifty thousand three hundred and five pounds and 42 pence on facebook ads so if you compare that to the six thousand or so pounds i've spent on amazon ads then it just gives you an indication as to how much dedication i've given to each of those ads channels so six thousand odd on 
Amazon, a fifty thousand odd on Facebook. And if you think on that Facebook, uh, I've I've made double or more than what I paid for that. So, you know, Facebook's been very good to me. With Amazon ads, my cost per click is 45 pence per click. If, and I generally selling on Amazon, I'm selling at full price. So that cost per click, full price is absolutely fine. So here, here are the, the numbers that I think are really interesting. Across that 6,000 odd pound expenditure on Amazon, I've made or I've got received 1,251 sales or orders. So 1,251 orders I've had in the UK from Amazon. Now the the value, the financial value of those sales was £3,327.37. But I've also had 157,064 page reads from those adverts. So my estimated KENP royalties of £498.10. So basically, if you tot up all those numbers, and that's lifetime, remember, in with Amazon in the UK, and most of those losses, to be honest with you, before I even started looking at Matthew J. Holmes's techniques, that's just me doing finger in the wind, most of those losses. But my loss is £2,465.83. That's my the, the loss that you can get from those headline figures. Now, if I was cleverer or more diligent about these things, I would have a better idea of read-through and we would probably, I would probably be able to mitigate some of those losses by saying, well, I've sold so many, uh, don't tell Mel, don't tell Meg book ones. I've sold so many Morecambe Bay book ones. And because my read through is such and such, I know that I've probably made these additional sales. And so therefore my loss isn't actually £2,465.83. It's probably uh, a bit less than that, but I'm not clever enough or diligent enough to have done the arithmetic on that. So I can't give you those figures, but I did feel that just giving you those total numbers in the UK, which is the Amazon ads territory that I've thrashed most, USA comes after that, but that's the US, the, the Amazon territory that I've spent most in. You know, those numbers, the cost per click is perfectly reasonable for full price books. And to have sold 1,251 books and had uh, that many page reads, it's it's not to sniff at if we only need to do a little bit of tweaking there to, to make sure we're in profit and you can see how easily the scales could tip and we could be in profit there so that's kind of what i'm working on next that's really what my focus is on next but we're, we're not we're literally not just burning money on a fire there has been some return for that expenditure and if i only knew what my read-through was we would, we'd have a better sense of what my total loss was on the Amazon ad. So I'm pretty sure I would be running at a loss, but I'm sure we'd knock a little bit off that figure if we could track read through properly. So I really just did that because I fancy doing it. No other reason than to share those numbers with you because I found them quite interesting. Now, I was late to Smashwords and you know that I'd been poo-pooing Smashwords for a long time and then I, I don't know what made me look at it. Oh, I know, it was when um, Draft the Digital and Smashwords merged and came together. It made me take a second look and I actually decided that I really quite like Smashwords and Smashwords, I'm not selling a lot on Smashwords, but they are beginning to send me money. So it's another outlet that's sending me money now, which is quite exciting. So they're running this week a read an ebook week. And this is great. I'll put the, the link on the show notes. But 
I said this to you previously, when I looked at Smashwords, they, they do a number of things on Smashwords that's just like the old days of internet marketing. A lot of it reminds me, it sounds like, is it Mark Coker who does Smashwords? It looks like he was exposed to internet marketing in the old days, in that when we used to do promotions, we used to have ready written emails for um, affiliates, and we used to have social media, ready written social media posts, and we used to get little graphics made to help people promote our offers. And it's fascinating that in this Smashwords sale, that's exactly what they've provided for. You've got banners in there, you've got marketing text already written. It feels just like going back six years into my internet marketing days. Now, this uh, this is a big promo for Smashwords. You can list your books free if you want to. What I decided to do is I thought there's no benefit if I list my books free. I don't want to make some money, even if it's a tiny amount. So I've put all of my books that are listed wide, which is basically my sci-fi. It's I've got one thriller, which is listed wide, which is Now You See Her. And I've got my nonfiction listed wide. All of those are going to go in the Smashwords sale at a 75% discount. But what I've done is I'll put the in the show notes the link to the, the promo materials that you get. And it's just worth having a look at that because it's uh, fascinating. I've not seen anything like that for a couple of years. But it, um, Smashwords does do a lot of things I really like. Um, and I think, as I say, they must have been born from internet marketing experience. And it's a shame that uh, more people don't do things like that. But just take a look at it. It's, I think you'll find it very interesting what Smashwords are doing there. I've got a Kobo promotion going on at the moment. I have told you that I, I very sadly, I wish I could make more money out of Kobo. I never really make anything from Kobo. Not, not, I mean, it's, you know, it's all extra income, but it never excites me the money I make from Kobo. I'd love to support Kobo more and, and do more sales. Um, but... I always go in for any promos that I can on Kobo and now you see her which again just to remind you is my only psychological thriller which is listed wide it's in the weekend reading campaign in the in Canada and the US and that promo runs from the 16th of February to the 21st of February and just to reiterate that although I don't make a huge amount of money from Kobo every single promotion of theirs that I can go into I do. I'm always looking at the promotions tab in Kobo. Anything I can go for, I have a go. I've got roughly, it's just less than 50%, but just less than 50% hit rate with the promotions. It's well worth doing. They all bring in a trickle of money and reads, and you never know, somebody might read one book or one of those promos and become a lifelong reader. So that's really what you're playing for there. I said I'd give you a little bit more information about my book bub promo so if you remember I promoted my seven pack of sci-fi stories uh, for 99 pence and it was the first time that I had just done a bookbub promo in the UK Canada and Australia it was a non-US promo it cost me 135 pounds and 65 pence and what I was unable to give you when I last gave you the numbers uh, I wasn't able to give you the Google numbers or the draft the digital numbers because there'd been a lag on the the draft the digital numbers so I can give you the, the the total number of sales I made on each channel now as a result of that promotion so Kobo I made 192 sales Amazon I made 581 sales draft the digital 104 sales interestingly Google 228 sales that's very interesting uh, compared to draft the digital now if you looked at last week's show notes you'll have seen that i gave you screenshots for apple 
and even if you look if you think that draft the digital those 104 sales the majority of those will be apple didn't make very many sales on barnes and noble this time which was interesting um, but i i got some chart positions from what 80 something sales on on apple which was very interesting those Google sales are very high at 228. Not really quite sure where they came from. But from that £135, 65 pence promo, I made 100, uh, no, hang on, let's get my numbers right, 1,105 sales across all my outlets. So I more than doubled my money. I think it was about two and a half times the money. So probably about, it cost me 135. I think I probably made 300 odd pounds is that right 300 odd yeah about 300 odd pounds from it so uh more than 100 percent profit so it was that's not a lot of money to receive but as a percentage of profit absolutely fine absolutely acceptable well worth doing so i'm going to say to you again bookbub uh, i've never never had a bad experience with bookbub even though the results are not quite as good as they were from the first time i ever had a bookbub a couple of years ago i i, I still get results that are the best results that I get from anywhere else. So yes, still go for BookBub promos. And I can also tell you now that a 99 pence cents promo in the UK, Canada and Australia, removing America as a territory was still worth it. Uh, it, it didn't make me as much money as it would have done if I'd been promoting in the, in the US, but it did mean that I made a very good, clear profit on my expenditure on that advert. Another thing I told you a couple of weeks ago I gave you my my book edge stat so I, I was talking about a new website called book edge which I'd never looked at before I, I forget where I'd seen it recommended now and one of the things that attracted me so I took a, a month's free trial of it was it it tells you what or the number of Amazon followers that you've got for each of your author names and I looked up I given you in, in the relevant episode I gave you all my follower details but my followers for Paul J Teague which is my psychological thrillers which is my most popular author name or my best-selling author name I'd got 3,249 followers for that author name and I had said I don't know whether that's good bad or indifferent I've got nothing to compare it with well John Cronshaw who is a, a friend of the show of the podcast um, John's wife Claire is my editor um, and so I, I've known John for ages as a, as a writer. He lives not not in Cumbria, but very close to me, um, close enough for me to pay personal visits every now and then. Um, you know, so we see each other IRL rather than just online every now and then. So John dropped me a note. John had tried Book Edge and just sent me a note about his Amazon followers. John's Amazon followers are 3.7K. So he's got, what's that? Uh, oh, arithmetic time, four and a half... 450 followers more than me, John's got. So we're we're roughly at that kind of level, uh, which is about right because, uh, you know, John has um, selling box sets like I am too. We're, we're very much doing the same sort of thing. Um, so that was good comparison, I thought. So I, I, where would you put, I don't know, I'm not going to describe John. You know, I always describe myself as a kind of midway author in that I'm doing okay, but I'm not, a, you know, some super duper bestseller. Um, I don't know how John would describe himself. I know he's doing fine like me. Um, you know, he's, he's generating enough income to pay for everything, take some money out of the business. So, um, you know, <laughs> take it as it comes, really. Uh, I'm 3,250. John's 3.7K. That's roughly where we are. If you've got some numbers, if you've looked them up on BookEdge, just let me know. It just gives us, really, because this data is private a lot of the time. You know, none of us know. We, we haven't got a clue uh, what, how anybody else is doing with their followers. 
if you have looked up your followers, uh, you know, don't be shy. It's just quite interesting for us to get a range, I think, so that we can tell roughly where we should be, depending on our uh, on our career and our income. But uh, hopefully that will help sort of inform you uh, in terms of your numbers so that you can get an idea uh, and comparison. Now, here's some interesting news for you. Cambridge University. Let me just remind you uh, where we're up to with this. Uh, one of the things that I've been considering doing is going to do a master's course in the UK as a university. Now, this all started ages ago when I just happened to see, this wasn't an aspiration of mine, I just happened to see, and I don't know where it came up, that the University of Dundee did a crime writing MA course with for forensics. It was something like that, crime writing and forensics. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. So I applied for it, got a place, and thought, oh, you know, I'll do that. That'd be great. And this was, I think, must have been while I was in Spain or when I'd come back from Spain sometime around there. And I thought that'd be great. That'll help me with my writing. And then they cancelled that course. And when they cancelled it, I was a little bit disappointed. I thought I was kind of psyched up to do that. And um, it, it, this has not been an burning ambition of mine. It was just that I just happened to see that they did it. I didn't know they did it. So I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And so when that was cancelled, I had a little look around and found out that other people do these courses. So the University of East Anglia, which is in Norwich in the UK, does one of those courses. And I thought, oh, this is good. It looks like it's well respected. So I applied for it uh, and have been offered a place. Thought I was going to get the place for September of last year so that it was something I could do rather than going to Dundee. This was something I could do uh, in September of last year. But they were full up for then and I was too late. So my place is open for September of 2023. And then I also found out just through a roundabout way that the University of Cambridge do a course. And so I thought, right, I'll apply for everything. I like to line, I like to line all the bottles up and then see which ones I'm going to knock down. That's basically how I like to operate in life. Really, I like to line up the opportunities, then decide what I'm going to do. Uh, but I like to make the choice, you know, board of facts rather than uh, speculation. So I like to know who will offer me a place first, get it all lined up, then decide whether I'm going to take one of them at all or which one I'm going to take. So, uh, you know, I, I just like to line up the facts first. Anyhow, that's a long way around of telling you that I'd put an application in for Cambridge. They weren't going to interview us till February and then the places were going to be awarded in March. So here's the update. Received this while I was in Spain this week. Dear Paul, thank you for your application to the MST. I keep getting it wrong. Don't I? I keep calling it what, an MA, MLIT. It's actually an MST, whatever that is. Um, so thank you for your application to the MST in Crime and Thriller Writing 2023 Cohort. Wait for it. Unfortunately, we've not had enough applications to be able to run a successful cohort and will therefore not be able to offer the course this coming academic year. We apologise for any disappointment caused with this news and will arrange to have your application fee refunded. Oh, I forgot that. I had to pay 50 quid, so that's 50 quid coming in anyway. That's good news. Um, we have a range of other courses that may be of interest to you. Further details here. So, the course is cancelled. That's the second course. Is it something to do with me? It's the second course that they haven't got the numbers. So Dundee was cancelled and now this is cancelled. Now, I have to admit that this doesn't give me a huge problem because it was 20,000 quid. The chances of me spending 20,000 quid on a course were very, very low. Let me tell you that. They would have to have astonished me for me to spend that amount of money on a course. But the vanity or the vain element in me would quite like to have got a nice little offer from Cambridge University. I, I wanted to line up an offer at least, even if I turned it down. 
So unfortunately, I'm not even going to get a chance to to get an offer lined up now. But uh, what it does is it makes a decision for me. What it means now is the only university that is in play is the University of East Anglia. And there are some other courses that Jericho writers do and something literary consultancy. There's a couple of other courses I'm also looking at which are considerably less than an MA, um, but which give you the kind of support that I'm looking for. So those are pretty well the only three things we've got in play at the moment, but that's Cambridge off the list. You're bang up to date with that. And I'm still no further forward in deciding what I'm going to do from next year. And I might not do anything. I might just carry on writing. I feel like I've got such a head of steam on with my writing now. I might just keep on writing. Something that I read, when did I read this? didn't take me long. I read it in a night, so I must have read it after I recorded the last podcast episode, as I haven't told you about it. I think I did tell you that I, I'd been, I'd read Mark Recklow's books. Mark is a non-fiction author, hugely successful non-fiction author, uh, very closely attached with Mark Dawson's training. He appeared in London last year, very entertaining, you know, very natural speaker, very funny guy. Um, and I just wanted to check him out. And it did make me think, hmm, I wonder if I should have another little go at non-fiction. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm considering a couple of ideas for this. And one of them is the concept of Swedish death cleaning. Now, Swedish death cleaning sounds really macabre, but it's not macabre at all. And in actual fact, it's something we did before we went to Spain. Before we went to Spain, we got rid of so much junk and clutter, you would not believe it. I got rid of loads of stuff. I sorted out photos. It was just such a wonderful, cathartic experience. Uh, loads of stuff has gone and what what is left is you know packed in boxes and, and labeled in, and in the garage so we really have minimalized our life since we've been to Spain I was quite desperate to to do that got rid of loads of books you know just got rid of loads of stuff we have started to accumulate again incidentally but um, effectively what we were doing was Swedish death cleaning and, and, and the, the title is a little bit misleading. It doesn't mean you're about to imminently die. It just means that out of consideration to you know your kids, your family, whoever's going to have to mop up after you when you die, you kind of just get your life sorted out. And it and it was a good time for me because uh, I stopped working, uh, you know, retired officially. Um, it, it was just a good time. We were going traveling. It was just a perfect time for us to do that and to kind of put a stake in the ground and say, right, you know, this is where we're up to now. Get rid of our old, a load of old stuff. We want to travel. We want to be more sort of flexible. Um, we don't want to carry all this junk around with us everywhere we go. And so, um, you know, we, we literally were able to pack our life into a container which is what we did while we were in Spain everything just went into a container when we we went to Spain for six months or however long it was in that container so um I bought uh, I thought right what I'd like to do I'd also said to you I think in a previous episode I'm considering writing books non-fiction books on a retirement theme because it's very much on my mind at the moment uh, your travel with retirement how you manage your time when you're retired uh, keeping fit when you're retired uh, you know keeping motivated and busy and having a purposeful life while you're retired um, these are all things that are concerning me and then I thought well yes we did this cleaning as well this is something that I could adapt and make it a a retirement book uh, a kind of you know when you retire this is something that you should do to organize your life seeing as we've been through it anyway I just mentioned it it's called um, it's called the gentle art of Swedish death cleaning 
I read it and then just made some notes about it just to make sure I got the key points because I would take those key points and flesh those out for my book and then talk about our personal experiences and techniques for doing it. And it's by a lady called Margareta Magnusson. It's only a short book. I got it out. Actually, um, I ordered it from the library and um, it came in large print. And I can't believe how relaxing it is reading large print books. I'm reading one of Sophie Hannah's books at the moment and the print is tiny. And then I got this large print book. I thought, ooh, I'm, I'm on, on the verge of becoming a large print reader now because it's so relaxing reading books in large print. It's so much easier on your eyes. So I've reached that age now. Um, Google Books have announced something very interesting. Again, I've said to you, uh, well, over the last year or so, I've been saying to you that Google Books really is getting its act together now. It was very, well, I, I in the old days, and by the old days, I mean two to three years ago, I actually preferred to list my books on Publish Drive rather than Google Books because it was just easier. The payments were easier on Publish Drive. And, and then Google Books made some changes. And now I list my books directly on Google Books. I still don't like the financial interface at all. It's not clear enough. And I, every opportunity I get to feedback I say sort that out sort that out you know sort that out please let's have a nice financial interface but what they've done in the last week or so is they've now got series bundles discounts so you can you can put all your your, your series together and on, on my on my google accounts I've got uh what's it called the grid trilogy I've got the Secret Bunker Trilogy, and I've got my four non-fiction books there, I can now bundle those together and I can, uh, you know, put them at a discount with the bundle and sell them as, as serious bundles. So uh, that's just another nice thing that Google has introduced. Fantastic. You know, that's just another indication of how seriously they're beginning to take the sort of self-publishing the books that they sell. It's not an afterthought. They're actually being quite proactive with it now. Now, one of the things I feed back to Google every time, and it, it may be possible to do this, and maybe I've just missed it, but when you when you do your pricing on Google, it's quite tedious, really. You have to sort of, you have to price it in each territory individually. It's, it's a bit of a nuisance, not, not an easy way thing to do. And I keep saying to them, look, why, why can't you have a pricing template? So for instance, you, you, say I sell all my standalone books at £2.99 in the UK and $3.99 in the, in the US. Why can't I have a pricing template that I just apply to every standalone book in Google? So I don't have to go through the tedium every time of listing those prices separately. Now, it may be possible to do that and because I'm, I don't look at things properly. I may have, I may have missed it. It's not blatantly obvious that you can do it, but that's the one big improvement I'd like to see to the pricing in Google. But you know, serious bundle discounts, fantastic. I think really those pricing templates and better clarity, um, so that you can just l literally look at your dashboard and see how many books you've sold and what your income is next month. That's really what I'm looking for Google. And when they when they do that, you're off. Now, interestingly. Even Draft the Digital doesn't do that. I was trying to work out, I was trying to get a breakdown of how many books I'd sold um, for the data I'd given you about that book, but promo I've just done. I was trying to get the breakdown of how many have I sold on Barnes & Noble, how many have I sold on Apple, and I just gave up messing around with things in the end. So even Draft the Digital's finances are not as good as I would like them to be. Uh, again, you know, Kindle win that really, don't they? Uh, and Kobo are reasonable 
Amazon is still the best for the financial information, but they could all do with some improvements. I, I wish they would do it because, uh, you know, really, you just at a glance, you want to know how many have I sold of each book? And I, I always want to know what's my income next month? What am I going to get paid from you next month so I can budget that in my spreadsheets? So anyhow, positive news from Google, which is great. One of the interesting things about doing this podcast is that you, you hear from all sorts of people. I've heard from a couple of people that you would call blast from the past. You know, people that I'd spoke to a couple of years ago when I first started doing this podcast and I was doing interviews. I started doing interviews originally. That was the premise for this podcast. And then I think I did interviews and the podcast diary. And then bit by bit, I, I've because I, I tend not to listen to most interviews on other people's podcasts. Uh, I, I'm very, very selective with them. I, I do very few, very few author interviews now. But it's mainly Paul's podcast diary, which is the sort of information I find most interesting in other people's podcasts. But um, every now and then, one of the authors that I interviewed years ago, and it's four or five years ago now, gets in touch and we just check in with each other, which is great. And Mike Bodner co contacted me this week. Uh, now, Mike, I met... Oh, I, I hesitate to think how many years ago I went to the Matador self-publishing show or whatever they call it. So this was at Leicester. It must be four or five years ago now. And Matador do a kind of hybrid self-publishing where you are a self-publisher. They will edit it for you. They will do your cover for you and they'll give you some basic marketing and a website. They are recommended by the Alliance of Independent Authors. So, you know, they're, they're very good. They get great feedback from people who use them. And Mike was one of the authors there. He had self-published his first book through Matador, which was called Against the Current. And I was sitting next to him. He, he Mike had done a presentation uh, as he was one of their authors. Very good talker. I think he's a former broadcaster. He was very entertaining, did a great talk. I got talking to him and uh, then interviewed him for my podcast. Well, um, Mike had a very, you know, fascinating uh, life experience. I think he's uh, retired or semi-retired. He and his wife had bought a boat and gone sailing in France and had all sorts of adventures, which is what this book was about. Now I think the, bo the boat has been sold and they're back on dry land and he's writing again. And this is what he wrote to me. So he said, hi, Paul. It's been a few years since we met at the self-publishing conference in Leicester and you subsequently interviewed me for the self-publishing journeys podcast. A lot of water, a lot of bridges, etc., etc." And in Mike's case, those are literal, uh, that's literal water and literal bridges. Um, Mike listens to the podcast every now and then, checks in, um, always finds them useful and entertaining. Thank goodness for that. And Mike says, my book output is outstanding. <laughs> Congratulations indeed. I don't know whether it's outstanding or embarrassing, Mike. Um, but uh, Mike published his book in 2015. So we must, it must be 2015 we met. I can't believe it's then. But the book was called uh, Against the Current. And it was a memoir of Mike and his wife's year living on a boat in France. Now it's out of print now. And it seems a, a distant memory for Mike. But he has now written another book they're living on the thames now he's bought they bought a house on the thames near london mike says i know it sounds posh um but it was falling down and they call the house mortgage on thames since the leeds building society owns most of it <laughs> so mike's obviously one for adventures when it comes to places to live but he's been writing he's continued to write and he says over the last two years he's been writing his first novel which is a 1960s spy thriller called Unity. Um, so it's subtitled Peace for All, Freedom for None. Uh, it's a tie-in novel and it's linked to the series The Prisoner, 
which is a 1960s UK TV series. I think it was probably a world, worldwide hit, The Prisoner, uh, but it starred Patrick McGowan. So anyhow, he was just writing to let me know that he's got this book out. I've put a link to Mike's uh, website, the Unity website for the book, on this week's show notes, so you can take a, a look at it. And it's launching on the 22nd of April and is publishing via KDP Select. So uh, not KDP Select, Amazon Print. So he's doing it through Amazon. It sounds like he's doing it through Amazon rather than through Matador this time around. So that's fantastic. Um, that's just Mike Bodner checking in and you can listen to Mike's original interview by going to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Look for Mike Bodner and you'll see the original interview that we did in, well, it must have been 2015 or 16, which is just horrendous to say those dates. I've managed to gather a long list of well, not a long list, a decent list of links to share this week. I won't go into the content, but I'll just give you a, a teaser and just let you know why I've recommended it this week. So we'll start with uh, Matthew J. Holmes, who did a thread on how to transform your career as a self-published author in six to 12 months. Now, you know I love these Twitter threads. Uh, it's one of those Twitter threads uh, where you can just kind of read down and just it's nice and readers digest it's very short and very easy to get your head around so I, I'll put the link to that thread on this week's show notes there's an article that David Gochran has submitted to Draft Digital it's called the Lazy Author's Guide to Platform Building so if you're there wondering well should I be on TikTok should I be on Twitter, Facebook, should I have a website? If you're in that zone and thinking, I don't really want to do all of these things, that's a great article for you to read. So, you know, which platforms do you really have to be on if you're an author? And do you have to be on all the platforms? Well, I cover that in my book, Your Author, what's it called, my book, Your Author Platform Blueprint. But if you want to just get it all for free, have a look at Dave's article and I will put the link on this week's show notes. Now, Sasha Black's podcast is one that I like to listen to. I always like to listen to Sasha's personal updates. I love the I love the Black Heron updates. I pick and choose the guests as I always do with everybody's podcasts. Uh, but she did a great, great podcast episode this week, which I really recommend that you listen to. So it was one of these where it, it, it was just Sasha doing the podcast. It wasn't her with any guests. And you know I love those episodes best. And it was a, basically, it was lessons learned from starting a new pen name. So Sasha started a brand new fiction pen name. She started it from scratch and she was she's basically it's like starting all over again. You know, how would you start a new author pen name knowing what you know now? Um, and it's fascinating and she goes into huge detail about costs and, and what she did and you know what she got right, what she got wrong and then she lets you know what the initial pre-sales were on that book. So if you're well, I, I, you know, you know how many years I, I am into this. I found it absolutely fascinating. It made me sigh with the amount of work that's involved. You know, when you think how much work we do as self-published authors with all the, the writing and the editing and everything we have to do, when you listen to it laid out like that in a single podcast episode, you think, crikey, we do a lot of work, don't we, as self-published authors? Um, but it's a brilliant episode, uh, and I think it would be hugely useful to you if, you've, if, you, if you're on book one of your writing career. But I found it like gold dust as a listen, uh, even with the number of years I've, I've been writing. Um, but it, you know, it really is. Uh, it really is a really good example of you know what I know now, what I wish I'd known when I started. So 
essential podcast listening, I would say. And I have put that podcast episode, I've put the link to it, the direct link to it, on this week's show notes. You just have to head over to selfpublishingjourneys.com to get the details. Amelia D. Hay, uh, she runs the Authorpreneur podcast. I always look forward to those episodes dropping in my feed. Again, wherever you are in your career, this is a really interesting podcast episode this week. Amelia has been doing some experiments with ad stacking. This is where you, you have a series of adverts across a number of platforms, and then you obviously try and shift some books. And she's gone into this, again, in forensic detail. I love these episodes. Can't get enough of them. Um, she's she's booked promotions on Authors XP, Fussy Librarian, Kobo, Free Booksy. She'll tell you how much she spent. She'll tell you how what results she got, You know which were the best channels. This is great stuff. This is why I love these episodes when people go into the money, the downloads, You know how much it cost me, how much I made, or how much I lost. I, I think they're so valuable uh, whatever stage you're at so fascinating episode thanks for doing that amelia and again i will put the direct link to that episode in this week's show notes and i just highly recommend that you have a listen and you check amelia's show notes that accompany that episode as well uh, the same with uh, sasha's by the way uh, sasha's done a, a load of show notes as well so you know listen to the podcast look at the show notes the two of them together they're just like you know gold dust for any indie author i think and you know more more of this kind of content i just think it's brilliant when people share this kind of stuff I have mentioned to you on a former episode that Google Analytics is changing. I have to say, you know, these days I don't really care about my analytics. I know I, I know I should, but I'm almost at the verge now where the old analytics were so straightforward and I could just kind of see where I was getting my web traffic from. I don't know whether I really care that much these days, to be honest with you. Um, I, I got my stats today, actually. Fasthost sent me stats to tell me how many people are looking at my author website. They don't give me a breakdown of where those hits are coming from. But I am I am very much in a, uh, shall I bother with Google Analytics 4 or shall I not? I'm, I'm sure I'll get round to it eventually, but it's not a priority. I kind of like to know this stuff just because I like to keep on top of the, the, the geeky element of it. But it, I, I don't know whether it's going to be a priority for me. And what I'm, what I'm looking for really is probably a, a nice little webinar where somebody talks me through it. I think I'm in the market for that. So if you spot one, if you spot somebody, you know, who's got a decent reputation, who knows what they're talking about, doing a webinar on how to set up Google Analytics 4, do send a link my way if you would. But that's, that's I'm in the zone for that. What I'm going to share with you, though, is uh, an article from Google themselves, which goes into the changes required. So just to remind you that Google Analytics 4 will be replacing Universal Analytics on the 1st of July of this year, 2023. So all the analytics that we used to have, that's all going to stop processing from that day. Now, I found this week, I don't know, I can't remember where I found it or where it popped up in my social media links, whatever it is, but there's a link there uh, outlining, you know, what you need to do and what you need to know. So I'll put that on this week's show notes. And then finally for this week's links, just to let you know that uh, Dave Chesson has done one of his great articles again, uh, where he looks at the best web ho hosting for authors. If you want to set up your own website, he's looking at all the different options that you've got and you know, trying to work out which is the best. Now, it's interesting because I was listening to Amelia D. Hay as well, and I, and I think it was on... I think it was probably on Amelia's episode where she was talking about the tools that she uses in her business as well, which I mentioned to you last week. It's interesting that Amelia and Dave both recommend SiteGround. Now, 
and because they recommend SiteGround that I'd said to you, I've stopped using SiteGround and I've stopped promoting them. I thought I'd just have a few words with you about this because the funny thing is, is I would still recommend you use SiteGround, but I'm not going to promote it anymore. Now, the reason I can't promote it anymore, in all honesty, is I had a bad experience with SiteGround. I didn't get the support that I needed. I couldn't resolve my problem. My website was down. So I, I didn't have a choice for it. I had to go. They wouldn't give me the help I needed. My site was down. I needed to fix my site. I couldn't mess around with it. So I just moved it and fixed it. And I haven't had a problem with it since. Now, I like SiteGround. I really peeved off that I had that experiment, that, that experience because I was very happy with SiteGround um, and had been happy with them for several years. It was massively disruptive to my business and I'm, I'm really annoyed with them. Now, it's interesting. I had a similar experience with something completely different, nothing to do with writing, where I'd had to submit, I'd got a technical problem that I couldn't solve myself, um, not to do with websites or anything else. It was something completely different, a, a completely different world, a million miles away from what I do on this podcast. And I'd got some support and it was and, I'd, and I, it was rubbish. It was rubbish support. And I'd, they'd asked me for feedback. So I, I'd put something like, you know, the most half-assed support I've received, ever received. And it was, it was just, they were literally, I told them what the situation was and they just said, try this. And I just told them I'd tried this. I've tried that already. So I was really, it was just half-assed is the only word for it. Anyhow, Somebody obviously looked at that feedback. They got back to me and then they were like a rib rag to a bull. They wouldn't let it drop until they'd solved my problem. And last night we solved this problem. And so today, when I gave the feedback to them, I gave them five stars and I said, look, thank you very much for helping me get this problem to a conclusion. I, you know, I really appreciate it. So it's the difference between somebody like being like a dog with a bone and wrestling a you know a problem until you get it solved, and somebody kind of saying, "Well, oh, can't do anything about that." And that was what I got from SiteGround on that occasion. They would not help me with my problem, and why it feels particularly negative is because I'd paid a year or so up front, about three four hundred pounds, whatever it was up front, I'd paid, and I lost all that money. I didn't get any kind of refund on it, so it's left a particularly bitter taste with SiteGround. Now, if you ask me informally. Who would I suggest you go to? I would still say SiteGround. I agree with Amelia. I agree with Dave. But I cannot, in all sort of, in, you know, any sense of integrity, I can't be there running promotions to SiteGround when I've had a bad experience with them and I'm not with them anymore. So so that's, I just wanted to sort of sum that up. I'd still recommend you use them. I But I, I can't promote them anymore. I can't take affiliate income with the experience that I'd had. But I still feel they're the best place for you to start. That it would be the one I told you to start with. So what I'm going to say is, ignore me. I've just been unlucky. I've had a bad support experience. And listen to what Amelia D. Hay and what Dave Chesson are saying and, and take their guidance because I agree with it. I just can't do the promotion, I'm afraid. You know, because uh, I, I don't want to promote anything on this podcast that I can't say I'm using or I, I have used with great success and, you know, don't have any problems with. So just to bring you up to date there with SiteGround Hosting. Okay, we're nearly there now. Personal news. Well, in personal news, I've just been in Benidorm all week. Now, uh, it went very well. It was it was a little bit nerve-wracking, I would admit, because the whole point of this was my mum was uh, ill over COVID. She'd had uh, blood clots and things, and it was a little bit hairy for a while. You know, she'd had to spend time in hospital when we couldn't visit her. Uh, it was all a bit, uh, you know, a bit worrying for quite a long time with my mum. And... Um, 
she's she she'd got to a state where um, you know things have been really stable for a long time and i'd said to her she used to come to spain with us with the, with the family when we went for a month at a time and i'd said to her about traveling abroad and she was a bit ner nervous about it and before christmas i said look why don't we just set a date for benidorm let's set a date and if you're not well enough or you don't feel confident enough to go i'll everything will be cancelled you know we could we could cancel everything uh the worst case scenario you know whatever we we did our best and we'll have to write a bit of money off whatever it costs us we'll write some money off but i said you know I, it's i i don't want to i don't want us to say that's my mum never going to travel abroad again because she had this illness that seems too final for me you know and i know how much she likes going abroad with us we've had some wonderful holidays so i, I got her to agree to sort of set a date which was last week or this week and i said to her you know right up to the end i said i will insure you fully you know everything will be insured i'll make sure everything's insured check with the doctor that the doctor doesn't say you shouldn't travel if the doctor says you should travel and if you feel confident enough let's get out there and do it and so the other thing i did is i've never done this before mum hasn't needed this before is i booked all the disability backup that you can on the planes which i i this is the first experience i've had of this uh, and it was brilliant and and, um, and also while we're in Benidorm, it was quite clear to me I, I used the hotel that we used when I did my digital nomad period there a year or two years ago they put us up in this hotel for free as part of the project I was doing it was a great hotel you know really clean really diligent great place to stay and it was only one small street away you know a hundred yards or so from the beach and I thought right that's perfect for mum so she doesn't have to do a load of walking so I, bu I booked us in there um, very very close to the beach very close to the town but it was very clear to me after two days that you know we were really quite restricted in how much more walking mum could do so one of the things i did while we were there is i i hired one of these disability scooters if you go to at paul teague uk on twitter you'll be able to have a look at us <laughs> great fun on this thing i got one of these double scooters now mum wasn't confident enough to drive it on her own so i was the driver i got the double one and she sort of sat at the back and i whizzed her around and um, these things were brilliant it was 30 euros to hire a day 100 euros deposit and uh, this meant that we could go right to the end of the second beach and we could you know have much more scope with our travel and, and when we arrived at our destination you just park the thing up take the key out and then she was perfectly capable of walking from there but it just what it did is it got rid of the, the distances which is what the problems are so um we we hired these disability scooters for the first time <laughs> we had an, an amazing laugh I won't I, 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 dare, I won't show the video but um, I shot a video of my mum I took her into a little side area where she could have a go at driving the thing and she was driving it round and round we had a we had a great laugh um, doing this but I think mum would now actually hire a single one on her own and would probably drive it now which is great that's a great breakthrough with my mum um, as far as the planes are concerned if there's somebody in your life who's got limited mobility what i will recommend is book the mobility assistance when you get on a plane absolutely amazing you check in at the airport they get a wheelchair mum doesn't need a wheelchair she can walk it's really just that um, you're perfectly capable of walking it's just that um if she walks too much she's going to have problems so um she and she couldn't walk up the steps to the aircraft either it would have taken her ages to walk up the steps so uh, the disability support you just re record that you need it uh when you book your your flight uh, uh we flew from east midlands airports we checked in at the desk she got a she got a wheelchair straight away i wheeled i wheeled her through we wait, waited at the gate and then somebody picks you up at the gate before you get on the plane they've got these amazing machines that have ramps on 
where they, they take you up the machine and the machine goes to one of the doors on the plane and then you don't have any steps to deal with at all. Um, they're amazing machines. They kind of line up with a door that I never even noticed that existed on the planes and you just kind of walk in and we've got extra leg room for mum and everything like that. And then when you get off, you just wait at the end and you get off on this lovely machine that means there are no steps involved and then you get on a wheelchair they wheel you through you do your passport and then they drop you off uh, you know when you pick up your bag and so me and mum were they, they took us to uh, we got our bag they took us to what's it called arrivals all we had to do is go down a lift and our our transfer was waiting for us uh, one floor down in the lift so we managed to do all of this and remove all the sort of walking that was required and the steps that were required so mum didn't have to do any kind of steps uh, for the whole holiday so again if you've got somebody in your life who has limited mobility I do recommend that you try all of these things but what, what, I, what I hadn't sort of quite appreciated was the level of responsibility I'd got on my shoulders there because it was just just me and mum I thought blimey I, you know I, I hope nothing happens on this trip but it, it went really well we had zero problems and we got mum abroad which I am so happy with and she was even saying to me while we were there you know actually I would do this for my on my own for a month in winter now you know now I know we could do all these things she would do it on her own and I, I showed her a hotel in Benidorm and said look this one's right on the beach um that's a great hotel for you to use so you've got zero walking to do you can sit out in the sun you can see the beach from there you know so that the, the mere fact that we've managed to move things on from the sort of physical difficulties she's had over the last two years just felt amazing so Phew, thank goodness for that. And we had a, a lovely week and, you know, a real good laugh together out in Benidorm. So next, it's Lisbon. That is on the 20th of March. When I got back uh, yesterday, I had a lot of driving to do. I had to sort of drive from Carlisle to Lincolnshire, spent the night at my mum's, then from my mum's house, drove to East Midlands Airport. And then when we came back, it was East Midlands Airport to my mum's house and then stayed overnight and from my mum's house back to Cumbria. So I've done a lot of driving in the last week or so. When I got back yesterday, I just finished off the bookings that I needed to make for Lisbon. So we're heading out to Lisbon on the 20th of March. I was just sorting out the final hotel. We're going to be able to do a park run in Edinburgh while we're up there. So I was sorting that out and I was sorting out the parking. So I got about what a month, five weeks, is it, till we go to Lisbon? And that's my, my wife and I. We're going to Lisbon for that week, which is fantastic. So that's the next thing coming up. Um, and also this week on a, at a personal level, but this does relate to what we do as authors, we're updating our wills next week. All of my kids now are over 21 years of age. So they're not, I mean, they're adults at 18, but in the UK at 21, you can do everything at 21. You know, there's nothing you can't do at 21. You are a proper, proper, proper adult at 21. Um, I can't remember what it is you can't do between 18 and 21. There's something you can't do. You have to be 21 and then, but 21, you are entirely 100% an adult. You can do everything as an adult would at that age. So all my kids now are over 21. Uh, so we need to get the wills updated. And of course, the wills reflect my writing business as well, among other things, uh, because that's something that the kids can inherit. <laughs> it's not going to make them rich at the moment, kids. Don't hold your breath. But, um, you know, hopefully in years to come, it might be worth a little bit of something. But anyhow, that is part of my inheritance. So I need to put that in the wills. So my wife and I are getting our wills updated, bearing in mind we now have three adult children. And of course, the key thing for us because of that is our old will uh, had to take allowance of the fact that if my wife and I say died in a car crash or something like that we had to take care of 
the guardianship of the children whereas now they're all adults we don't have to think about guardianship issues anymore so that's our kind of final tweak uh now the kids are all adults and that's being done on thursday if i remember correctly but i mention it here because uh your author business can make money 70 years is it after your death in the uk something like that so you need to be factoring that into your estate planning that's why i'm mentioning it here in terms of healthy author updates then while i was in Benidorm, i went for a run every morning so i did four runs we were there for four you know full days in Benidorm last week so i did a run along the beach every day if you look at the show notes this week you'll see the evidence of that different t-shirt every day <laughs> uh, for every run and uh, what I did basically is I, I got up at eight o'clock, went for a run, and that gave my mum time to sort of shower and get ready. And then I had a quick shower and we were off for breakfast, uh, you know, when, when I'd done my run. So it worked really well. Uh, but I was, you know, lovely to get four runs in one every day in Benny Dorm, just a 5k up and down the beach. As I say, you can get a taster of that if you look at the, I've embedded the, the Twitter post on the show notes this week at selfpublishingjourneys.com. We're back to park runs this week. So park run on Saturday, 5k run at the nature of a re, reverse re, reserve, a 5k run at the nature reserve. That's what I'm trying to say on Sunday. And then I'll be back to my routine of doing the stretching exercises on Monday and Wednesday after I've done my writing and I'll do treadmill runs on Tuesdays and Thursdays the evenings are drawing out now so usually I I start to go back to my evening running club uh, that when when I don't like running in the dark so when the nights draw out and they get there now in the UK probably probably from April I'll start to do my evening run clubs again but I, I I'm only on the treadmill for as long as it takes for the, the evenings to draw out and for me to be able to get a run in but what time do we start club runs 6 30 so I, I it's, when i can run in the light between 6 30 and about 7 15 i'll go back to club runs but in the meantime i'll be on two uh treadmill runs per week and uh so usually it's when the clocks change to be honest with you and then it's uh i'm out to running on the road again and if you'd like to look at my healthy author updates just head for paulteague.net forward slash run i update with sort of images and uh, park run times and things like that if you're interested in that kind of stuff okay that is it for this week i hadn't expected it to be that long actually bearing in mind i've been away for a week just a reminder that there is no writing diary this week the final episode of the writing diary will come next week and that bumper episode will drop next week as well so that is it for this week's show thank you very much for listening i hope it's been useful informative for you have a great week of writing from me paul teague it's bye for now